Oh, good morning again. Good to be with you this morning. This is a kind of a special weekend and a Memorial Day. I want to share with you some things about this, just uh, as Sherry was reading from Ephesians chapter 1, and the idea of memorializing or eulogizing someone, and I want to share a little bit about the history of Memorial Day, and some personal history that's thrown in there about Memorial Day. But you think about, uh, about God, you know, when you go to a funeral, there's typically a eulogy, which means just literally to speak good, to speak a good word, to speak well of somebody using a word. And uh, there's nobody that deserves that more than God, is there? To be spoken well of. And we find out from reading the Bible that, that that's really our job description, isn't it? To speak well of God, to bear witness to his goodness, to who he is. And so I want us to look at Memorial Day kind of in a, maybe a little different vein than is typical. Uh, but I think you'll find that it's true to Scripture. And so we'll let Scripture unfold really how Memorial Day becomes a prompt for us to speak well of God, to praise him, to worship him. So Memorial Day uh, began as Decoration Day. I, I'm not old enough to remember that. Some of y'all may be old enough to remember when it was called Decoration Day. That's, that's pretty far back in antiquity, you know. But, uh, and, and I'm getting pretty ancient, but I'm not quite that old yet. But it started in 1866, probably one of the first communities that celebrated Decoration Day after the Civil War where 600,000 men had been killed was Waterloo, Waterloo, New York. Anybody been there? Waterloo, New York. Anyway, they were the first ones that really got official with this. So in 1966, the government proclaimed that that was the initial starting point of Decoration Day. By that time, it had evolved until it had become Memorial Day. It was originally to remember those who had fought and died for our country, whether they died in battle or after the battle and had been buried. Uh, the government in 1868 dedicated that uh, holiday as May 30th and it was to be celebrated across the country however people would like to celebrate it. And so people began to celebrate by picnics, family reunions, parades, uh, fireworks in some cases. And so there's a lot of different ways that, that Memorial Day is celebrated. But in 1971, it was officially proclaimed as a Monday holiday. Our government likes to make those three-day weekends because federal workers are overworked. And so what they do is they, they transfer all these holidays over to match the weekend. You get a three-day weekend if you're in. And so it became first a, an official government holiday in 18, or excuse me, 1968. But in 71, it was moved to the 5th. Now, that's interesting to me because I was, by that time, I was in college. And I don't remember that happening really. I'm just, I was just out of it. I wasn't paying attention to what they were doing or anything. But 1971, so that's not very long ago, except for some of y'all. But, but to me, that's not that long ago. And so here we are celebrating this day, Memorial Day. And as I think about that, I think about the Memorial Days I've celebrated. I'm going to take my mom tomorrow. She's 90 years old, still very spry, sharp, drives herself places, you know, and I'm not afraid of that. She's just uh, really doing well. God's blessed her. So I'm going to take her to Balco, Oklahoma. How many have been to Balco? I'm going to take her to Balco, Oklahoma, and to Hardesty, Oklahoma two of the large metropolitan areas in the Oklahoma panhandle. And we're going to decorate graves. And Hardesty, we're going to see where my grandpa and grandma are buried and some of my, my uncles and aunts, and we're going to lay some flowers there. And then we're going to be in Balco where all my mom's family, she grew up in Balco, her mom and dad were, owned a general store, and her great-granddad owned a general store in Balco. And so we're going to lay memorials, flowers, flags on those stones, and uh, I'll sit there and I'll walk around in that and I'll tear up as I think about my forebears. Because Memorial Day is not just about soldiers anymore. It's about those that have gone before you. And so as we decorate those graves, I'll be thinking about some of the things that I've experienced in life because of my forebears. 
and it will be a, a very powerful, reflective time for me. I enjoy it. My kids don't. <laughs> my, my wife doesn't. But I, I like it. I'm just kind of a melancholic type person, you know. And so I, I think back about those things, and they impact me. So it's, that's important to me. So I was thinking about my, my grandma. 30 years ago, I did her funeral. Her name was Nanny. Anybody have a nanny? You know, her but I never knew her by anything but nanny until I was probably a teenager. And she had eight kids and one nephew that she raised in her household in Hardesty, Oklahoma. And uh, I can't even remember now. It's like 29 grandkids and, you know, 1,012 grandkids. I mean, it's a lot of, lot of kids. She was 93 years old when she died. And I did a memorial service, and I remembered her well. And I still remember her because she was a prayer. And one of my aunts gave me her uh, Bible. And in the margin in Acts chapter 16 where the jailer cries out and says, What must we do to be saved? And Paul says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. And my grandma had written in the margin of that Bible, Pray for my kids and pray again. And so I think about her, a prayer, a lady who loved her kids, her grandkids. She just loved kids. That's why she had so many of them. She wanted to have more. And so she had all this this tremendous thing. You know, the Bible says, though people are dead, this is speaking specifically about Abel in Hebrews chapter 11, though a person is dead, they still speak. And so my nanny still speaks 30 years after the fact into my life. Then I think about my wife's uncle, Woodrow. He was a character, farmer, rancher in Oklahoma Panhandle. We went to his funeral, and it lasted three and a half days, man. I mean, I'm thinking... (laughs) This just this guy just went on and on and on, and the eulogy was just stretched out, and then he started preaching. And so he's going on and on about, I really liked Woodrow, he was a character, but he's going on and on about what a spiritual giant he was and how he devoted himself to his family. And, and uh, I'm thinking, is this the same guy that I knew, you know? And then this was in Balco, Oklahoma, so from the apostolic faith church to the cemetery is about two city blocks. So we walked, you know, Denise and I and her mother, we walked over to the cemetery. And while we're walking, my mother-in-law said, well, that was really a beautiful sermon, but I didn't believe much of it. (laughs) So though Woodrow is dead, he still speaks. And I, you know, but I remember him. I remember he's a good guy, fun to play cards with, walk and go out on the walk around the farm with. And then I remember a year ago, Last month, my dad passed into the presence of Jesus at the age of 91. And I remember because I remember him especially because I lived with him for a long time. And then he was always good and gracious to me. And he really reflected the goodness of God in just about every facet of his life. But yesterday, I was sitting trying to organize my thoughts about all these notes I had about doing the sermon today. And I was sitting at his desk for so many years, for five decades, he studied and prepared himself to teach Sunday school classes. And ever occasionally to preach because he was a, an elder in the Presbyterian church. And so I thought about him. I thought how he stained my life in a good sense. And he'll always speak to me, you know, of the goodness of God. So even though people are dead, they still speak. So when we begin to go to Memorial Day, we really need to see what is it they're speaking about. Because you know what God spoke to me as I prepared to do my grandmother's funeral in 1989. I said, God, I really want to honor my grandma and my nanny. What can I say? And this is what God spoke to me as I walked around a section of land in Texas County, Oklahoma. He said, tell people she gave you future memories. And I said, what do you mean, God, future memories? And he said, she gave you a taste of heaven to come. 
in the way she conducted her life, in her graciousness, in her peace, in her love. She let me taste a little bit of what it's going to be around the throne of God. And so as we come together today, I want to read to you out of Psalm 103. I don't know what page it's on, but uh, you'll notice there in your bulletin probably the page number. I want to read this psalm and just consider how Memorial Day points us to this great sovereign God who has determined and chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless and that he's going to unite all things in Christ Jesus. All of your personal history, all of history will be united in Christ Jesus and every part of creation will be summoned to worship God with a full breath when Jesus returns. And so I want us to consider that. How great is this God that engineers all these things for our good and all the benefits that he provides and to memorialize and to eulogize him this morning. So let's pray before we read. Father, we do thank you for your great word, God. What a great thing that we have your word in print. We can go to it. We can hear your voice, God, as we speak your word, as we read your word, God, as we think about what you've spoken, God, you're speaking still. God, how great is this? What a great advantage we have. We pray for our brothers and sisters that don't have that advantage around the world. God, race your word. Speed your word to them. Let them hear the glories of who you are and how you've revealed yourself in Christ Jesus. As we read this morning, God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to respond to you, God, and mouths that eulogize and worship you evermore. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. I just want to make a side note there. As the father shows compassion to his children, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. I know sometimes in a group this large, there are people that had really bad dads. Just the reality of this life, living in a fallen age. There are people who had an absentee dad, a brutal dad. A dad that maybe spoke curses rather than blessings. But I want you to to understand that God wants you to take his revelation of who he is in Christ Jesus as your new model. He wants to heal those hurts. He wants you to know that he is a good, good father and that he only has good in mind for you. And he wants you to receive that today through the revelation of his word. He wants you to take your eyes off of those wounds and those hurts that your father may have inflicted and to look to the healing that comes in seeing him through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you to be whole and to rejoice around his table. So receive his truth. Don't be governed by your past if it's hurtful, harmful, but receive the truth of God as Father. Then let's go back here to verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. Some of us are like dandelions, you know what I mean? But I bet those are exotic somewhere, you know. 
So he says, we flourish like the flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. Its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Man, good advice, isn't it? Great in counsel. So, you and I are called in this psalm, which is one of four songs of thanksgiving and praise to God, 103 to 106, probably written when David was an older man and had time to reflect on his past history and just how desperate he was for the benefits, for the blessing of God. The older I get, the more I understand I need grace. I need it. I've tried to improve. I've tried to pursue Jesus for decades now. I've tried to be better at it. I've tried to get more faithful. I've tried to be more loving, more patient. And man, I fail time after time to live up to what I know Jesus is. And I find over and over that God is willing and patient to forgive my iniquities, my transgressions, and my sins. And I begin to love him deeper and deeper as a result of that. So David, as an older man, is reflecting back, and he thinks about this. And he begins to stir himself up because if, he, if you're like me or like David, sometimes you don't feel like praising the Lord. You ever had one of those days or weeks or decades? Where you're just, man, it is hard. You know, God, you know, I don't really feel like praising you. These things are not going my way. I don't like this. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He starts speaking to himself. He begins to speak to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, my intellect, my affections, my volition, oh, all the energy of my being, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And forget not all his benefits. A lot of the problem we have as children of God is we forget the benefits. We forget the benefits. We forget to remember God got angry with Israel as they went through the wilderness. And one of the main things that caused anger in his heart was this they forgot what he'd done, they forgot. I just kind of look back to Nacogdoches, Texas, 1973, sitting in a jail cell for drug possession. And I think, God, you delivered me from that. I don't feel so hot today. You know, things aren't going the way I want. This is not panned out the way I intended. But God, you delivered me. I remember this. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits, but bless him. You'll find that that little word all is found in this psalm nine times. And it speaks to a lot of different areas. But all of creation belongs to God, and all of creation will praise his name. His hosts are doing it now. The angels are doing it now. His ministers are to do that. We are his ministers. The Reformation captured that. Every believer is a minister, a priest to God. And so we're to bless the Lord. We're to make him known because when we memorialize, when I, st- when I go to a funeral, when I, when I gave my grandmother's eulogy, when I hear other eulogies given about people, it makes me remember the good that God did in them and through them and how they responded to him. How much more important it is to remember and to eulogize this great God who in his sovereign, provident power is shaping everything together to worship and to glorify him, uniting all things in Christ Jesus. Everything. That's, that's a lot of disparate stuff out there, folks. 
There's a lot of things that don't seem like they're going to fit into the equation of all things united praising God. But God is absolutely potentate. He is despot. He is the dictator. And he is benevolent. And he will order all of our private history and all of history to bring glory and honor to his name at the end. And we're to live remembering that. To remember that in these days when things are not so good. They're not so good, are they? Politically, you like what we got? Yeah. You know, I don't like that much. I don't. I remember my dad came back one time. They went to the Biltmore Mansion in North Carolina. Built by one of the Biltmores. That's why they called it the Biltmore Mansion. <laughs> and he said, you know, they told us that when this thing was up and running, it took 264 people to take care of the gardens and the cows and the chickens and the flowers and the kitchen. Now, my dad was a staunch Republican. I mean staunch. Goldwater was not too conservative for my dad in 1964. Okay? But he said, you know, when I saw all that and the inequity of that, and he said this with some humor, almost made me want to be a communist. You know, the systems of this world don't work well. You know why they don't work well? Because you and I run them. We got problems. Right here in River City, it's called our heart. We got problems. But we have this great God who does not treat us according to what we deserve. He forgives our iniquities, our transgressions, and our sins. He is to be eulogized and to worship, to be worshiped. He is to be blessed. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities. Who heals all of your diseases. Who delivers your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Man, what a great God. Instead of counting to us what we deserve, he gives us these great benefits. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's wonderful. We ought to think about that. We ought to say, bless the Lord, O my soul. You know, this is what Murray does when he sees an 11. (laughs) I'm going to try to get him to do it on 12s too. Go, Murray. 12. We should bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within us. That's what we're called to be and to do. That's why we exist, isn't it? We exist to eulogize, to speak well of God, to bear witness to him. So you think about those things. Think about that, getting your life delivered from a pit. Think about this, iniquities. You know what iniquity is, don't you? Iniquity is the natural bent that we have to brokenness, to rebellion. It's like the trees in Amarillo that lean from the southwest to the northeast because the wind prevails. In us prevails naturally a bent to rebel against God. But God says, I won't treat you according to what you deserve in your iniquities. And then there's transgressions. And in transgressions, because of our bent to sin, we, we just, we see a rule, we see something that we're not stuck, and we just step across it. We on purpose step across what's right and true. We do it. Well, God forgives our transgressions in Christ Jesus. And then there's sin. This is the one that really hounds those that want to be close to God, that pursue God and try to get more of their heart pointed toward God. Sin is a word in the Greek. It's a 
It's very, it just means a bullseye, basically. And so here you are, you're, you're a bowsman or a rifleman, you know, and when you shoot at shoot the target, you want to hit the bullseye, don't you? You ever shoot a gun? It's fun shooting guns at tin cans and stuff, you know, set up a target, and you, or if you're a bow and arrow, if you ever got to do that. Well, you're always trying to shoot or a dartboard even. You're always trying to hit the bullseye. Nobody goes for the outer rings. Hey, watch me get five instead of 100. Nobody does that. I'm going to get the bullseye. And so here we are. We've been encouraged. We, we see Christ Jesus. We see him as Lord and Savior. And we want to go hard after him. And so we say, I'm going to hit the bullseye. There's going to be no disciple like me ever before. I used to pray. I mean, I lay out in my backyard and I say, oh, God, I want to know you better than anybody since the Apostle Paul. And I'd cry and I'd groan, you know, and I didn't know what that meant. But I prayed for it. I wanted that. And so I've been trying to do that for a long time. And I keep missing the bullseye. Sin is missing the target even when you're trying to, but God does not count iniquities, transgressions, or sins against us. He's freed us from those things. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He does not account to me. He does not account to me my just deserts. If he did, no one would be saved. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, David says, O oh Lord, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with you that you might be feared, you might be worshipped, you might be honored, you might be eulogized, memorialized, praised and worshipped and blessed, God. This is great news for us. This is the gospel. And so I think about Memorial Day, and so you got all these guys that gone. My dad was a World War II vet. He was a Marine. He wore his Marine cap till he died, you know. But all of these men that went into all these wars that have granted us this great national freedom, Man, what great freedom we have to buy what we want, to go where we want to, you know, to do what we want to, to all these, to worship where we want to, to choose what we want to. Oh, man, what great freedoms. We just cannot imagine how greatly free we are. So here we are, and all these people that died or served in order to guarantee, to gain this freedom, and then to assure that it's perpetuated. Do you know, I don't think there's probably any soldier that ever went into battle going, I want to die for freedom. Murray was telling me the Patton quote the other day. I won't say it here in the sanctuary, but, you know, Patton's idea was make the other guy die for his country. Don't you die for yours. But, you know, when you get drafted or when you volunteer, you go out there with an intent to come home. You don't go out there intended to die. And you die because of the people next to you. You die because that's just what happens, you know. That's your time is up. God knew your days. It's over. But Jesus came to die. He chose to die. He volunteered to die. He knew he would die. And he granted us a freedom that the United States will never know about. That people who live in democracies will never taste unless they meet Jesus. For freedom he has set us free. He set us free from the bondage of sin and hell and death. He crushed the head of the adversary. We are free. We are free indeed. Whether we live in North Korea as a Christian or whether we live in the United States, we are free from the wrath of God, from his just punishment of sin because in Christ Jesus, God has lifted up an Ebenezer. There's a good term right there. An Ebenezer. 1 Samuel chapter 7. When the Israelites beat back the Philistines, they raised up a rock. Samuel said, this is our Ebenezer. Jesus Christ is our Ebenezer. He is our rock of help. He is our rock of help. He is the one that has done these things for us. By the price of the cross, we're free. We're free. Never again will we have to pay a debt for sin. Jesus paid those debts. This is an astounding thing. Who forgives all of our iniquities. All of our iniquities. You know, i got a lot of iniquities that are past. 
I've got some even now. I've got some that will be future. But he's forgiven me all of my iniquities. This is the power of sovereign God who loves me and has taught me to hate sin and to push against it. But sometimes it traps me. Sometimes I fall prey to it. But God's freed me from the debt of that sin. This is really good news, isn't it? This is tremendous to memorialize, to eulogize this great God who loves us and gave himself for us. So here's Jesus. Night before he's crucified, he knows what's up. He's known it from some time in his youth as a younger man. It's begun to dawn on him the completeness, the fullness of what he's going to accomplish. And at each step, he's taken obedience. He set his face as a flint. He's going to Jerusalem to get on the cross. And the night before he's crucified, when all of his disciples are arguing among themselves, kind of like Democrats and Republicans, kind of like Christians in a church over the color of the carpet, kind of like the natural human condition, trying to get one up on the other person. While everyone else is trying to get one up, Jesus rises up from the dinner table knowing that he'd come from the Father, knowing that he was going back to the Father, and knowing the Father had given all things into his hand, he got up and he washed the feet of all these guys. Isn't that an astounding thing? He knew where he'd come from. He knew where he was going. And he knew his Father had given all things into his hand. He knew that his Father would bless him with good so that his youth was renewed as the eagle. You know what that means? That means that God has given us the grace day by day, season of life by season of life, to do exactly what it is that's put before us in his will. It doesn't mean that when I'm 85, I can run like a 17-year-old in a 100-yard race. It doesn't mean that. It means God's provided for everything necessary for me, and I will accomplish all that God has given me to do because he is the one that provides the grace to get it done. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. I have a question for you. This great Memorial Day, when we're thinking about how great, how good God is, do you know where you've come from? I know that I came from Texas County, Oklahoma. I know that I came from a family that loved God. I know that I came from a time when I encountered Jesus. And I saw him as the one who's King of kings and Lord of lords, who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know where you've come from? Do you know where you're going? Jesus knew where he was going. Jesus knew. A lot of soldiers knew where they were going that died in battle. Some of them didn't know. A lot of them didn't know where they were going. Do you know where you've come from, where you're going? Because you can know that today. Before you leave this place, you can know that. And all you have to do is be honest before God and call Jesus Lord. If we confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We'll be under the blessing of God. We will say, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Because he came to deliver. He came to save. He came to give us a new destiny, and he came to give us what we need in the meantime. He knew that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he could endure that cross, and that he would come up on the other side. And that is why we eulogize God. That is why we testify of Jesus Christ. That's why the church has been flung out into the world to make testimony of this great, great, good God who loves us, who loves us so much that he wouldn't leave us here alone. He came to rescue us. I commend you to this great God, this good God, this God whose name is Jesus Christ, who loves you, who knows you, and as Brooklyn said, he knows all about you. You're unique to him. He loves you. He's provided for you. And I pray, I hope, I hope that you know him. If you don't, today is a good day to know him. It's a good day to know him. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for 
your great goodness, God. It is great. It's beyond the heavens, Lord. You are beyond all of creation. We are a part of that creation, God. We are the apple of your eye, the focus of your attention. We are the ones you have loved. God, may we know that. May we respond to that. May we stir our souls up to be like David, to bless you, O Lord, not to forget any of your benefits, to join the angels, to join the host, to join with all creation now and in that day to declare, God, how great you are, how good you are, how worthy you are, God, to receive glory and honor, power and dominion forever and forever. And God, in these things, we give you thanks. Now, come and watch over, establish God, confirm your word, all for the sake of Jesus. Amen.